Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I'm Matt Levy, your host, and I'm joined by my co-host. How are you, Michael Staub? I'm doing all right, Matt. Thank you for having me again. But if we were to take a slow motion approach, a bullet time approach, and we'd come across the game that I think really, Mike, capitalizes on everything that is bullet time yeah max Payne, which is the game we're talking about today but you already read the title max Payne was kind of so just in the moment in 2001 as like the game to like feel like the matrix now conquer's bad fur day a few years earlier had done a bit of a Matrix parody at the end of at the end of this game. I think it might have been a year before this. I think Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is a 2000 game. So they added that Matrix stuff really quick. And there's some bullet time in that game, but it's very, very restricted to kind of just one small section of the game where you kind of light everyone up. But in Max Payne, bullet time isn't like a little nice little nod to the movie. It's kind of like a core gameplay mechanic. And... Max Payne releases in 2001 and The Matrix releases in 1999. So this was hot on the heels of The Matrix. It's two years. And if you look at how game development has, how long it takes, I imagine that bullet time must have been something that was added to Max Payne a little later in the process. Because if the game comes out in 2001, it's got to be. It's got to be, uh, it had to have been far, at least somewhere in development, right? It, it's very unlikely for Remedy to have just kind of have this, this title they're working on and it comes out like a year after and they could build a whole game around the Matrix. But Remedy, Remedy had been around since 95. This is not their first game. Their first game was a game called Death Rally, but Max Payne really is like their first big release. And We've gone to see Remedy do not much else outside of Max Payne. They did Max Payne 1, Max Payne 2, and nowadays they work on Alan Wake, and they made 2019 Game of the Year Contender Control, which I actually don't think is that great of a game. But uh, this is what Remedy does, and this is kind of where they get started. And if you play Control and you play Alan Wake, you can kind of see the building blocks that made Max Payne in these games as well. Whereas in Control, you're not slowing down time, but you're kind of manipulating your environment to create items and stuff to fight your enemies. It's still very much a third-person shooter. From what I read about Max Payne is the, the folks over at Remedy after the release of Death Rally kind of wanted to make a third-person shooter akin to Tomb Raider. And I think combining those, those influences with the Matrix style visuals in this kind of New York setting. Very, very uh, contemporary to Grand Theft Auto 3 at the same time. It almost felt like both games took place in the same city. Yeah, and, I, I never yeah. saw the comparison to Tomb Raider. I think that's very interesting. 
Mike, I've always looked at Max Payne and saw the games that followed it. I always thought to games like Dead to Rights, if you're familiar with that series. I am. I, I looked at the Punisher video game that came out in the 2000s, and I thought that felt like it was influenced by Max Payne. But Definitely. you're right. I never thought of Tomb Raider as sort of being a precursor to this. Yeah, it's the two guns. It's a third person shooting. It's kind of how Lara Croft kind of rolls and dives around while she shoots. I mean, I honestly have never enjoyed those original Tomb Raider games. I found them almost unplayable, but I like the new ones a lot. So that's something. But yeah, no, Max Payne was kind of a a, a groundbreaking third person shooter game. Now, it's not doing what Resident Evil 4 would eventually do, but this kind of third-person run-and-gun kind of vibe is, is is kind of indicative of the period that it came out in, but it also has become a pretty popular genre. And with movies like The Matrix being all the rage, or like something that was kind of... It feels a little John Woo to me, right? It feels like it something definitely out has of that. the Hong Kong action cinema influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. what's interesting is... When it comes to the Matrix, it didn't really have a great video game. You had the Enter the Matrix games that you didn't even play as the characters from the movies. And then you had the Path of Neo, which I enjoy, but as a janky game. And is is the word jank was invented for games like Path of Neo. Yeah. This definitely. really capitalized, as you said, on you're diving, you're wearing, I believe, and I'm 99% sure you're wearing a trench coat, right? Isn't yeah. Max kind of wears, I don't think it's like a full on duster like they wear in the matrix where they're like, I think in the matrix, they're like down to the ground, but I'm pretty sure Max wears a long trench coat. He yeah, wears, it might go to his knees or yeah, or, like a leather trench coat that goes to just above the knee. So yeah. like a mid thigh trench coat. It's that like nine or even before that, like a seventies noir detective look that they got going for this, for this game yeah. and for the character. Yes, absolutely. And uh, he, it has that kind of like, or early Scorsese, right? Kind of feel, kind of like the New York City underworld. Max Payne is an ex NYPD detective turned DEA agent, which just sounds like a movie, right? Or a TV show. And uh, he's kind of investigating the trafficking and sale and usage of this drug called Valkyr. Yep. That unfortunately, kind of like Frank Castle, Payne's family was killed by two people who were kind of losing their mind on this substance. So he's kind of dedicated his life to kind of tracking down where it comes from and, and, and I guess stopping its trafficking. But it is very, very noirish. It does have that kind of feel, kind of like a neo noir, something that you would see. At the, at the turn of the century, the turn of the most recent century in video games a lot. You wouldn't see it as much in film, but you would see it in video games. Matrix, while the Matrix is a major influence on Max Payne and how the game operates, ultimately the game doesn't feel like the Matrix in tone. It doesn't feel like the Matrix in story. Like This feels like an old drug narcotics detective type of movie. And it just uses Matrix, the Matrix bullet time to kind of embrace that in a video game. Yeah, I love that you made the comparison to Frank Castle because the lead characters are definitely going through similar sort of their job, what happened to their family, the drug trafficking, they're going after bad people and mafias and things like that. But even Punisher, the series has a very different tone, like you said, than this. This, even the cutscenes of this game have these graphic novel like panels with voiceovers. Yeah, which is very different than than anything else. You don't get like fully. Um, FMVs, you're not getting full made out cutscenes. 
No, you're getting those cool comic book panels, which I actually kind of like. And it, I think it helps them get around limitations at the time of looking really stupid because Matt and Matt, you and I have had this, we're having this conversation about Max Payne's face on our text thread. And yeah, it doesn't move. It couldn't. They didn't have that technology, even though Final Fantasy X was was doing it. Final Fantasy X, which released a few right around the same time, actually, Max Payne. 2001 is a pretty hefty year. I mean, you got Metal Gear Solid 2, which has facial facial animation. You have Final Fantasy X, which also has facial animation. You have Devil May Cry. You have Grand Theft Auto 3. It was probably got- more the cost than it was yeah. that the tech wasn't available. I think this definitely saves them a tremendous amount of development time and just, as you said, overall cost. Yeah, Remedy wasn't a big team. They're still not a big team. So... But the voice probably didn't have the money. I think makes up for it because you can leave a bit to the imagination. You can kind of fill in the gaps of what you're not seeing in these cutscenes. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it really does create it adds more to that noir kind of kind of feel, right? The kind of the kind of feel that you're kind of following this detective around and everything kind of moves slowly. And it's not all action all the time. It's investigation. It's what he's got to do as a cop. Or as I guess a DEA agent now, which is essentially a drug cop. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting method to deliver a story, but I think it works incredibly well for this game. I think it works very well for the time, and they've got to be drawing some degree of influence from the Punisher. It, it makes perfect sense, and it also ultimately makes perfect sense that the Punisher game that came out a few years after this, I think that's a 2004 or 2005 game, would feel very similar. Like, why would you not? take inspiration from Max Payne and Max Payne 2, which were these incredibly popular third-person shooter games. Mike, do you remember some of your first experiences with this game? Do you know what console you played it on when it came out? Yeah, I do. I got it for Christmas 2001. I got it on the PlayStation 2, and I played it a bunch when it first came out. I really liked how how the gameplay felt, how fast it was and frenetic, and how good the third-person shooting was. Bullet Time took me a little bit to get, and there's one segment that took me a very long time to get past. It's when Max has to jump onto a train from a building. I, I just constantly kept screwing that up. But I liked that game a lot, and I enjoyed it. I also think, doesn't he take painkillers? Yeah, so a, this game has as his like heal item. Yeah, it's just nonstop. The amount of painkillers this man is taking. Well, it's Max be, Payne, right? He'd be so drugged up that I don't think he'd be able to walk. But it's sort of the joke. You see the there's an image of your character in the, on the HUD on the bottom left of the screen. And as you take more damage, his character fills up with red instead of gray or white. And then as you use painkillers, it lowers that meter. And it's just so funny because you're looking for painkillers in every drawer and every cabinet and every shelf in these games and so it's kind of like an ongoing joke that the man takes probably like six sets of painkillers every time he's on a level yeah it's like yo i'm a drug cop but uh, i'll take all this all this stuff yeah. but then he ends up having he ends up getting drugged and stuff too so it's like True. all part of the thing but no max Payne, he's an interesting character the voice work on it is very good the voice acting is very good to be fair he does not he does not scream Mark Wahlberg to me, nor do a lot of characters that end up getting played by <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. No offense to Wahlberg. He's good when he's he's good in stuff, right? He's good in stuff when he's playing a character that fits him. But like Max Payne, no, I mean, I don't I don't see it. I also don't see it in Sully from Uncharted. But hey, what can you do? I think you some know, of these studios, I don't I know Sony did the newest one, Uncharted. I don't know which studio backed the Max Payne movie. I'd have to look it up. I don't recall. 
Yeah, the Max Payne movies bad. Uh, it's it's really bad, but they probably were looking for an action star from that time period. Mark Wahlberg was probably pretty big and probably wasn't the most expensive. So it's yeah. like a good happy medium. You know, I think the 2008 movie is he is a star, right? At this point in time in 2008 and trying to capture the neo-noir of it all. And it was produ- produced by Dune Entertainment and distributed by 20th Century Fox. And Dune is now Rat Pack Dune because we live in the age of acquisition. So I don't know if 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 this is something that is necessarily like the best film production house in the world. I mean, they did X-Men The Last Stand, which is terrible. Garfield, The Tale of Two Kitties, which isn't very good. But they did The Devil Wears Prada. They did Borat, Night at the Museum, so other things. So it's not all bad what they did. But in general, I don't know what they were thinking. I think it's the same thing with the Mario movie, to not bring that up too much. It's just that when you're trying to sell this movie overseas, you need to attach a big name to it. And uh, attaching Mark Wahlberg to it is probably probably a good idea. And they thought he might sell tickets. And he probably did. But man, was this movie terrible. It was really bad. And I think video game fans were just excited to see a movie. So it probably made 50 or $60 million just because I don't know. I can't speak for you. People like myself were running out because like, oh, I played this game. I know this franchise. I'm going to go see this. Yeah, no, and it definitely was trying to piggyback off the popularity of video games as they were growing. Obviously, it's hard to make a movie about Grand Theft Auto, but Max Payne you could do. Yeah, it's a story that it stuck with me. I was 2001. I mean, we're talking we're 15, 16 years old. And when I played this game, I remember just from the opening scene, and I was going to talk about this in our Halloween podcast because it's kind of horror filled as far as the opening is concerned. I mean, you walk back into your house. There's blood everywhere on the walls. Your wife and baby or baby daughter were murdered. murdered by, yeah. And you go into the house while they're still there and you have to gun them down. It's a crazy dark start to a game. Yeah, it's an incredibly dark start and very dark in terms of video games. But I feel like video games were kind of trying to crank up the edge at this period between the PS2 generation and the Xbox 360 generation. You had video game video game developers really just trying to make things dark and edgier than they ever had been because you finally had people who grew up playing video games, making video games. It was all that type of stuff. And the movie obviously is trying to draw from the popularity of something like Sin City, which has that vibe. But like Sin City also kind of has the similar noir-ish vibe that Max Payne has as a video game. And as a character, so Max is a is a character that is very much tied to that modern noir kind of setting and kind of environment. And the game, playing a game like that, it was very novel in in two thousand one. It, it didn't really feel like much else at the time. Yeah, there were very few games that were. I think the focus I'm always going to go back to is the bullet time. I remember games like Fable. Yeah, uh, had powers where you can move faster than the other enemies on the screen. And this was something that in Max Payne was a draw for me. Yeah, I, I got it on the PC. Mm-hmm. I played it at probably the launch or that launch window. And I just loved the slowdown feature. I loved that I can react in real time while all the other enemies are moving really, really slow. And it's something that was replicated hundreds of games over. Maybe this wasn't the first game to do slow-mo, but I think this is the first game that really deserves the title of like having bullet time in it. Yeah, it is definitely a 
a groundbreaking moment for the for that specific gameplay mechanic. I mean, we see it a lot now, even though even when it's a little bit like Bayonetta has it. She has Witch Time. Spider Man and Batman have it. I was going to say Spider Man, Batman. They don't call it that, but once you Spider Man uses Spider Sense or Batman's mm-hmm. using his combat abilities, they're basically using bullet time. Yeah, there is that slowdown that allows you to kind of, one, see more of the action, and two, kind of get out of the way or make, give yourself a, a slight advantage. A fantastic game that uses it is a little game called Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Oh, what? So every no time way. you bring up a special power, you want to like use your, your triggers on top to either do like a Super Saiyan upgrade or launch an attack. It kind of slows down the, the battle to like 10% speed, so you can look at your maneuvers and abilities and it's it's a nice touch you wouldn't call it bullet time it's just now just it's just part of the game system well that's interesting that's intriguing <laughs> that final fantasy 7 has that kind of to a degree final fantasy 7 remake yep has kind of not bullet time but when you go into your menu to select stuff it slows everything down did guardians have it i'm trying to remember if guardians guardians had it. might yeah, have when you some pulled up the ability yes when you use the teammates abilities mm-hmm. When you brought up their screen to see what yeah. abilities they had opened, you're right. It, it's just, it's in every game. It's in a lot. Whether it's a major feature or something talked about, it's just part of every engine now. Yeah, it's become just something. It's a it's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. So there's so many things besides that this game did. I loved Max's internal monologue through each Which level. Which is great. Very noir. Kind of, yeah, very noir, moaning and groaning about what's happening, narrating himself through through the levels. I enjoyed the, I thought that the environments were very, very detailed in terms of the areas, the levels, whether in a, in a on a train, like you said, in a subway station, whether you're going through a, a tall building from level to level through a bank, there's just, I feel like there's a good variety of the, you're in a restaurant, you're in a church. I feel like there's a lot of good variety to the level design, although very linear. But it does mix it up with some platforming, some puzzle solving, where you're not just shooting the entire time, which there is a lot of shooting. I mean, it's a shooter, but there are other things to do, which breaks it up. It breaks up the the kind of ultra violence for a little bit. It allows you to kind of give yourself time to relax and and not be in a constant firefight with people. So I think that's that's always good. I think the platforming and the exploration segments of the game where you're just kind of spending some time in the environment are just really helpful to the player or otherwise it turns into like a full-on anxiety attack the whole game. I feel like it also pays a little bit of homage to Face Off, the Nicolas Cage John Travolta movie. Oh yeah, from 97 because he's got the dual Berettas. Yeah. Yeah, diving I mean, in slow motion as Nicolas Cage or whatever. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. 90s. Very, very, very influenced by like that late 90s. John Woo, which that, that yeah, was also that, influenced that too, by John Woo as well. With his two guns and all that stuff. But like, man, those Hong Kong action movies are a blast. Why would you not want to play a video game like that? They're awesome. So I thought this game, I played the PS2 version at a friend of mine's house. I thought... It didn't play as well as the Xbox and PC versions as far as I know it's now known. The levels were broken up to smaller segments. There's less detail in the world. It, there's some slowdown in the game. Did you recall having any of those issues back in the day? Probably, but it's a long time ago. Yeah. I yeah, haven't I, sat down with Max Payne, the original, in a very long time. 
yeah, this is a game I revisited on the PC probably five, six years ago. I know they are they are now working on a full-on remake. Which is great. And I think Remedy's back on that, right? Yeah. So does that mean it's going to somehow be tied to both Control and uh, and Alan Wake? Is this all one Remedy universe? That's, is it the Remedy-verse? It's interesting because Max Payne 1, great game. Max Payne 2 is kind of more of the same. It, it really it could be Max Payne 1.5 for all purposes. Max Payne 3 came a lot later. I played probably half of that game. Didn't love it as much as the first two. I don't know yeah. what your experience is with that game. Yeah, well, Max Payne 3 was no longer uh, Remedy. I actually yeah, haven't Rockstar. played. Yeah, it was Rockstar did it. Rockstar Studios did it. And I did not play Max Payne 3 at all. But I do believe there was a cover system added because, uh, what is it? It's 2012, so you need it, yeah. right? If you didn't have cover in your game. Yeah, you're not then, just walking up to people, shooting them like the original games where you're standing two feet away, missing each other. Yeah, no, no. You got to <laughs> ha- hang out like Nathan Drake behind a pillar and shoot people. But also like he, he lo- doesn't he lose his hair yeah, in three? Yeah, I, I hated that they aged him so much. He's this like grumpy old, like 50s, 60 year old man. Yeah, like bald dad in, in a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. That's what he did. Yeah, no, it was definitely an odd change. But this original game, you can joke about the lack of animated facial expressions you could joke about how he does look constipated <laughs> some of the, the photographs of him he which surely I, does i shared he, with you mike dude needs to get himself a laxative but this game outside of some excellent slow-mo this game i think is all about the atmosphere the level design the sound design and that noir feel i think made this game pretty unique back in 2001 one hundred percent it is an incredibly unique experience it it might not have changed gaming like it wasn't like something that was like oh my god this, nothing will be the same but it's it's kind of fun to look back and see just how much from max Payne has been continued and the whole bullet time thing on its own slowdown in video games is just it's just like you said it's become part of everything so many action games have slowdown it's it's very very important yeah and that's really helpful you'd even you'd see this in this game beautiful joe plays with it in both ways right so there's a lot of stuff at this time that Max Payne is really influential for. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, the game was not the biggest commercial success. Critically, it did well. It, it scored in the, I think, 89 for Xbox and PC and the low 80s for PS2, which is solid. But the game sold about 4 million copies through all PC, Xbox, PlayStation 2, which is no slouch, 4 million sales, especially for that time. And it's now become a franchise people know. It's not necessarily relevant today, but I think with the remake, there's a franchise that will probably be back because people didn't play. Young gamers that are now, let's say they're 20, 25 years old, they probably never played the original. Probably not. This is a game that kind of could have gotten lost to time because there's so much stuff that came out. And Max Payne as a series, like we said, the the jump, the gap between Max Payne 2 and Max Payne 3 is like, what? It's got to be close to 10 years. Yeah. So you're you're looking at it and it's like, these were PS2 games. I remember buying Max Payne at GameStop for $2.50. That's amazing. It's true. That's amazing. So that will do it for Max Payne, the 2001, I would say definitely a third person shooter action game would probably be the genre that it would fit into. No, most known for that bullet time. So, Mike, any closing thoughts before we get to your trivia? 
Um, it's a great game. It's it's definitely a little bit of a relic at this point. I do believe you can play it on Steam. I would suggest people give it a shot, but also it might be smarter to just wait for the remake at this point. Yeah, no, that might be the right right course of action. So, Mike, you are now three correct and two wrong in your first five trivia. There some tricky ones there, but we have your next trivia question. This Here one, we go. you might argue, is opinion-based, but... Oh, well then... Let's see. Forget it. It just it doesn't count then. Which game nope. is widely regarded as the worst video game ever created? Oh, Superman 64 or no, or ET. The four choices are Atari's ET. Yeah. NES is Silver Surfer. Yeah. Nintendo 64 bad. Superman. That's bad. And Fallout 76. Fallout 76 is not, nah, that's not even in the conversation. Like Fallout 76 is bad, but it's not like worst game of all time bad. For me right now, the toss up is between E.T. and Superman 64. Now, we, it's hard to quantify what the worst game of all time is. You can look at Metacritic. You could do all this stuff. My gut says I want to say Superman, but the fact that E.T. essentially crashed the industry, it's kind of hard to not give it to E.T., but ET in and of itself, like ET is a is a is a weird case. I would say this much. I'm going to go with ET, and here's my reasoning why. Even if it's wrong, I don't care. This this question can't be wrong. I'm going to go with ET for this reason. Most people, not everyone, knows that Superman 64 has won a game, nor do they know it's horrible. It's real bad. But ET is a game that even common people would know about it because there's documentaries about it, and it's a piece of garbage. And it was made in three weeks. Mike, and, you'd be correct. Atari's ET is widely regarded as the worst video game of all time. So you are currently four correct and two wrong, which again is fantastic. Two out of three, right? It's pretty, pretty good, man. And I would tell you this much too about ET. For those of you who don't know the story behind ET, ET was a movie tie-in, obviously, for what the biggest movie of the year. The poor developer on it had to create the game i think it's in like two he had to make it in like two or three weeks i think i think it was like that close it had to get out for the holiday and i don't remember who published it but whoever published it said that there was this game was going to be so popular because of et the movie and so quote unquote good that people will buy an atari 2600 to play this game so they made more et cartridges than there were atari consoles now, Matt, you and I know a bunch about attach rate. When attach rate is over like 5% or 10%, it's astronomical. Unless you're Mario Kart 8 where it's like 50%. Well, it's like 30% now, like 30 to 40% of all Switch sales, which is still unreal. Having a an attach rate greater than 100% is ridiculous. It's never going to happen except for like Breath of the Wild for like maybe three to four months when the Switch first came out. But if you're the hubris <laughs> that you need to have to think that people will buy an, an Atari 2600 specifically to play this game is ridiculous. And then they put them all in a landfill out in the middle of the desert, which is actually true. I'm pretty sure they found the landfill. So, yep. Yeah, it's it's. It's one very, very bad video game. So, Mike, congratulations to you on another nice. correct answer. Nice. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about myself right now. <laughs> what have you been playing, sir? I've been playing two games. I'm playing Persona 5 because Persona 5 is great. And on the Switch, it's awesome. 
Having that game handheld is like it's like uh, it's like a dream come true. Had you played Royal previously? No, I played the original Persona Five. So I said to myself, Mike, you don't have any time in your life to do stuff. So playing a hundred hour long video game, I'm like, you know it. Sign me right up. It's just as good as it was on PS4 on the on the Switch. And I'm playing Royal. I've already been introduced to some of the new characters. It's just really cool to be back in that world. Persona Five is. It's a turn-based RPG, but it's also a relationship simulator. It's also like a slice of life game that's laid on top of like this crazy demon hunting Pokemon almost style world, like evil Pokemon world. It's it's really good. It's the one of the coolest games ever. And I say coolest, and I actually mean what that means in terms of like what makes something cool. And a lot of times JRPGs and anime aren't cool. They're dorky as hell, unless you want to talk about, I don't know, like Cowboy Bebop right? Like Cowboy Bebop's jazzy. It's cool. Persona's like jazzy and funky and cool. So Persona 5 is just terrific. And I love it. I've been playing Bayonetta 3 as well. And Bayonetta 3 is great. It's just hardcore, straight up, amazing action game. For those folks who miss Devil May Cry, you just play Bayonetta. They're so good. All three of them are on Switch right now. You can get all three of them on the Switch. And three is like better than one and two already. So in terms of gameplay, I know people have some issues with the story. I can't tell you what the story is in Bayonetta. I can't follow it. I know you play as a witch. She turns her hair into things, big monsters. They fight. You fight. You have guns in your your high heel shoes. And I've heard there's a multiverse now in the third one. There is apparently. So just like everything else <laughs> in 2022, everyone needs a multiverse. So thank you, Marvel Cinematic Universe, for making <laughs> us have a multiverse. So they- so that that's awesome, Mike. Do you ever plan on getting back into Xenoblade Chronicles 3 or did that yes. ship sail? No, I will be back. It's just I put a bunch of time into it, too. I love Xenoblade 3. Xenoblade is one of my best games of the year. It's just that I got distracted. I'll get back to it probably next year sometime. Oh, very cool. I have been playing a game that came out probably close to 10 years ago on Steam. I don't know the exact date, and I could probably easily look it up, but it is on the Switch, and it was on sale, and I thought my son would probably have fun with it, and that game is called Octodad. Oh, man, Octodad. This game is so wacky, hilariously fun. For anyone out there that hasn't heard of it, it is an octopus who is pretending to be a man, He's dressing up in men's clothing. He marries a human woman, has kids with a human woman, and neither the wife or kids know that he's an octopus. His neighbors, his friends, people in the neighborhood don't know that he's an octopus. And your whole task is to do everyday things like mowing the lawn, going to the supermarket, going to the aquarium with your family, and not letting people know around you that you are indeed an octopus. That's, and it's- <laughs> that's the best concept ever. I've I've loved the concept for Octodad. I've never played it, but man, I just find it hilarious. It is absolutely incredible. The original game, Octodad Deadliest Catch, came out in 2010, I believe. That's um, 12 years old. Uh, tw- I'm sorry, that was the freeware, the, the sequel to the true game 2014. So this game wow. got the Switch 2017. I think it was two or three bucks. And... It's it's a fun, janky mess, but it is great. And it reminds me of like old PC games that you're just kind of doing these little tasks here and there, but for a few yeah. hours, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's what it seems like. It seems like one of those old PC games that are just really stupid. Yeah, you got to just try and grab this ticket and bring it to the other side of the room, but 
you're controlling an octopus and you have to use the triggers and like there's some of the front face buttons to try and control all of his crazy limbs. So it's it's one of the great things about video games, Mike. It really is. That's a beautiful thing. I, I find that hilarious. Yeah. So I, I plan on getting back to Gotham Knights. I, I it's I'm not. No, you don't. I, no, no Mike, you don't. I am not done with it. I was away from business and I had some stuff going on, but I will get back to Gotham Knights. But I've been distracted by Octodad. <laughs> that should tell you. I know if this like triple A game I've been waiting for all year can be distracted by like basically freeware, then yeah, I, that should tell yeah. me enough all I need to know. It's not like Xenoblade three where like where I got distracted by other RPGs. It's just like you got distracted by like stupid Sh- shovelware. It, yeah. It's oh no, no Octodad's not shovelware. No, That's a good it's game. a legit. That's it's a, a legit. Game. No, it's a legit good game, but uh, it's definitely. But like it's, a, it's it, but it's dumb. It's stupid dumb, and I love it. And it's like an it's an indie experience as indie yeah. goes. Indies. Indies are really creative, man. They do some really great stuff. There's some wonderful charm to it. So that's what I've been playing. Uh, I'm probably near the end of it's a short game, but that's what I've been playing, Mike. So we will listen in in the weeks to come as uh, both of us. I want to hear more about Persona 5. I want to hear more about Bayonetta. Yeah. And I know there's a couple others on our list that are coming out. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking at it now and it looks bad. Game season. I know I got, I got Tactics Ogre coming out. Oh yeah. Got God of War coming out. They got just announced front missions coming out November thirtieth. They announced the Suns. I don't know how you how Square just thinks it's a good idea to put out Tactics Ogre and Front Mission in the same month, and then after that, I've got I'm I've been I just looked at the new trailers for Octopath Traveler two, and it's just like, oh man, yeah. They're gonna put the. It looks like they're putting the world map in it to a degree where you can like sail around the world in a ship yeah this they got some good stuff coming stupid i'm so mad i'm gonna be so busy and then sonic frontiers is a week away oh you're right game of the year goty contender (laughs) sonic frontier listen i have been watching a lot of footage of it lately mike and the first time (laughs) sonic has like this leveling up system where you can like level up his speed his attack his defense they have like rpg elements they're going like all out for this Sonic game. Oh man, I'll tell you this right now. We're, if we have to eat crow on this, I'm gonna be so mad. I wasn't gonna to say it on here, but my my son saw on my Steam account that I had Sonic Adventure One and Two. Oh man, Sonic Generations and all these Sonic games. Sonic Adventure did not age well, Mike. Oh, that game is is rough, dude. We talked about this on the we, Sonic we Two one. It's, it's, it's rough. It's rough now. In 2022, it's real rough. In t- 1999, it was awesome. It was great, and it's funny how Super Mario Super Mario 64 has aged pretty well. I know for some kids, it's hard to go back to, but that game is polished. Yeah, Sonic Adventure does not have that same no, polish. Man. He has all the same problems he has in games now. Then we just didn't realize it because it was new and fresh and shiny. Well, my son's trying to play the game like slow and methodical as a platformer. I'm like, no, no, you have to just race to the end. That's what you just do. Run. <laughs> so, Mike, thank you so much. Where can people out there find you? Sure. You can find me here every week with you, Matt, on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. You can also find me on my other podcast where I talk about Batman, the animated series. You can look that up at Batman Tasticast. That's B-A-T-M-A-N-T-A-S-T-I-C-A-S-T. You can find us on social media there. You can find me with my band, Bad Mary. We got new music coming out. So you can search us out, badmary.com or search out Bad Mary Band. And then last but not least, you can find me with Long Island Retro Gaming. I host the Long Island Retro Gaming podcast. I do a show with my friend Brendan called Everdives, and you can find them at LI Retro or Long Island Retro Gaming. That's awesome. As always, please leave a review, uh, check out our back catalog, 
check out what we're doing on our Instagram. Please do follow. You can email us at the Hall of Fame pod at gmail.com or follow us at Hall of Fame pod. So that's it. We're done. Another awesome one in the books. And that was for those keeping track at home, number 99. Whoa! That means next episode's a big one, Matt. That is what, what my I took off my fingers and toes and I did a lot of counting. And that means next one is number 100. So guys, wow. stay tuned. I wonder what we're going to talk about. It's got to be something super, Mike. Got to be the best game ever made. I, I think it might be. It definitely is. <laughs> no, I'm not wrong. It's not Breath of the Wild. No, it is not. We talked it's about not Undertale. No, it is it's not, not Disco Elysium. Undertale is not the 18th best video game of all time. IGN's list is trash. So guys, next week, number 100, me and Mike will be back at you. We'll see you guys then. Later. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.